G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. The teachers were lovely and they were caring and one of them said, you know, God loves you and he has a special plan for your life and he wants to be your father. Well, that resonated with me. You know, to gain a heavenly father who wouldn't leave me or forsake me when my earthly father had, wow, this sounds amazing. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, at a very young age, Wendy Freeman was rejected by her mother and abandoned by her father. This left her feeling devastated and wondering where she belonged and who she belonged to. But as we'll hear today, God intervened in her life and transformed her from feeling unwanted and insecure to being a confident child of God who would go on to be a missionary in South America. Wendy has written a book about her life entitled Beauty for Ashes, A Journey of Faith and Healing. And she joins us today from her home in Victor Harbour to share her story. She's chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Wendy Freeman, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Glad to have you with us and thank you so much for joining us to tell us your story. Let's get right to it. Tell us about your troubled childhood and the impact that had on your life. Okay. Well, um... My mother and father married and within the first year I was born and my mother really was uh, not capable of bringing up children, not knowing what their needs might be and not knowing what to do with me. Uh, My grandmother uh, went to stay with her and to take care of me and because my mother couldn't decide what to call me, my grandma actually chose my names. Was that right? So I was very delighted, really, with her choice, and it made it special because she was a special person to me. Mm -hmm. Now, your mother, I see in your notes that you think she had undiagnosed mental health issues? Yes, I I think so, and Mm -hmm. I think that showed up more later on, Um, but she did have some physical issues, and when my sister was when she was pregnant with my sister, she mm-hmm. actually got polio. Oh, okay. So that made it very difficult for her. Mm-hmm. And treatment back then wasn't as available as what it is today. So she had um, a limp and her left arm was a little bit uh, paralysed, not working as it should. And um, she had also fallen out of a buggy when she was a child and oh. broken that arm. So, uh, And we should say this was in the 1950s. So That's correct, yes. Mental health and all that was not as advanced as it is today, obviously. Exactly. Um, so my brother was born after me and then my sister. We were all born in Gosford in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And my father was working with the railways and he was accused of uh, stealing. Mm -hmm. even though he denied 
that he did mm -hmm. and he lost his job. So we all moved in with my grandma and grandpa and my single auntie. So my mm -hmm. mother's, one of my mother's sisters, her mm -hmm. other sister was married and it was a pretty crowded house. My grandfather found him a job in a similar work to what he was doing in the council, the local council in horticulture. And about 12 months later, one day he just didn't come home from work. Oh. And uh, they, the family tried to look for him but uh, were unsuccessful. But two days after he, he left, uh, he sent a card to my mother, a postcard to my mother, um, gone for good, you'll never see me again. I don't care if they put me in jail. I don't like the way you treat the kids and I, I can't stand the way you treat the kids. Oh. Sorry for the burden left on your family. Love to the kids who rue George. That's uh, it. That was it. So that is the last that I've heard from him or anyone else in the family has heard from him. Mm. Um, he just disappeared after that. He just disappeared off wow. the face of the earth. And yeah. later on in, in life, I have actually tried to track him down. I had been able to track a, a little bit about his relatives, but um, I couldn't find him because he changed his name by deed poll hmm. before he married my mother. And so it was really difficult to, to follow where he might be because of that change of name. Hmm. But you there know, you were, just short of four was. years old. That's Father right. abandoned the family. And um, it was a crowded house because grandma and grandpa only had two bedrooms in their house. Mm -hmm. And there were eight of us when my dad was there and seven of us when he left. And the ch we children were basically three, two and one. Well, mm -hmm. I was just four. Yeah. And so it was decided that I go to my mother's other sister mm -hmm. who had um, husband and two children already and then uh so i was there for a year or so now um, was that because your mother rejected you well my mother wasn't really looking after me anyway it was grandma and auntie win oh, okay who were kind of looking after us because mm -hmm. you know she just wasn't really capable and she wasn't a happy camper because dad had gone and um i was um apparently very much like my father in looks. I've got little ears. My father had little ears. Oh. Um, I apparently had a similar personality to my father. So, oh. Are you saying um, that so in her mind you yeah. reminded her of uh, yeah. her husband yeah. who abandoned her? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So at my auntie and uncle's place, my auntie was very kind to me, but, you know, I'd been ripped away from everything I knew. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and ripped away from all of my family and already had, you know, three different caregivers and this was the fourth. And, you know, the first five years of a child's life are really important for building yeah. a sense of self-worth and self-image. Mm -hmm. And, you and know, yours was pretty much shattered, it sounds like. It was, exactly, yes. Yeah. So, Because as a child, I mean, obviously your parents had problems in their relationship with each other. But unfortunately, mm. it's so common for children to somehow blame themselves. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, I did everything I could to try and make my mother accept me, but, you know, it never worked. Mm. And so w when I was at my auntie and, uh, and uncle's, you know, uh, I don't think my uncle in particular really understood all that I had gone through. And he was very 
hard on me. Mm. Um, you know, he would beat me if I wouldn't go on the potty when he wanted me to and things like that, you know. So it just compounded mm-hmm. the yeah. trauma that I had already experienced. Um, anyway, I finally went back to my brother and sister and auntie and mum and grandparents. So we were all we all came back together again then. But because of that separation, I didn't bond with anybody mm-hmm. in my family other than my grandmother who had been my caregiver when I was first born. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like we were all living together alone apart. Mm. Um, and, so no you know, really close relationships other than your grandmother. That's right, yes. But, you know, my auntie, I mean, it was really amazing that she, as a single woman, who was working full-time, by the way, yeah. took on the care of her sister's three children. Yeah. And grandma helped her, but grandma, you know, had some health issues of her own. She had ulcers on her legs and mm. was experiencing a lot of pain. But there was no affection felt in the family because grandma and grandpa weren't affectionate people, but they mm. were doing a mighty, you know, job really yeah. um, accepting us into her home and caring for us and providing for us because since our dad left, there was no income. So so what um, I'm hearing is that all your physical needs were being met. They were uh, heroically exactly. taking care of all your needs and your mm-hmm. siblings as well. Mm-hmm. But, but no affection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my auntie did the best she could with the toolkit she had. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and I really admire for that because she, she actually sacrificed a lot for us, both financially and personally. But, you know, you can't give what you haven't got. Yeah. So, you know, grandma and grandpa weren't, weren't very affectionate people, so they hadn't received affection. So we never received any mm. affection. And my auntie, you know, she used to say, you know, if I cried, well, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. Um, <laughs> I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> that, uh, um, that doesn't sound so, like a lot of affection there. Yeah. So, you know, whilst I uh, admire her, uh, well, my needs weren't getting met. Emotional needs, I guess. In, we emotionally, say. in any way. So know? how do you think all of this, all this confusion, abandonment, rejection, how do you think this impacted you emotionally in a lasting way? Well, you know, I felt very insecure because I didn't know who I was. Mm. I didn't know who I belonged to. Um, I didn't feel I was wanted. I didn't mm. feel anyone cared about me. Um, so, you know, and because I wasn't being treated well, I tended to not treat myself well. Mm. I was my own worst critic. I became a perfectionist trying to... Um, Trying to win their uh, acceptance. Win, that's right, exactly. An affirmation. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that caused a fair few struggles as I became a, an adult. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know, it, it. I guess the beginning of my healing came when I came to know the Lord. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Wendy Freeman, who's the author of the book, Beauty for Ashes, A Journey of Faith and Healing. We'll hear more of Wendy's story, including how she becomes a Christian, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. 
Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Wendy Freeman, who's the author of the book Beauty for Ashes, A Journey of Faith and Healing. As we heard before the break, Wendy had a troubled childhood and was rejected by her mother and abandoned by her father. Next, we're going to hear how she became a Christian and the impact her heavenly father has had on her life. My auntie religiously took us to Sunday school, to a Methodist Sunday school and to church twice on Sunday. There was some, um, you know, Christian influence in the family. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate her having taken us to Sunday school, but I didn't really hear the gospel. And during my scripture class at school, one of our scripture teachers gave us an invitation to daily vacation Bible school at a Baptist church. And I thought, anything to get away from mum in the holidays because, you know, I didn't know when I was going to get hit next, mm. abused, yeah. yelled at, something mm. thrown at me, and I did everything I could to get away from her and stay away as much as I could, especially in the holidays, so that I could protect myself. So I thought, great, you know, I'm going to daily vacation Bible school. And I went and it was fantastic, you know, mm. and the, the teachers were lovely and they were caring and one of them said, you know, God, and this is this was to the whole group of us, God loves you and he has a special plan for your life and he wants to be your father. Well, that resonated with oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, to gain a heavenly father who wouldn't leave me or forsake me when my earthly father had, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow, this sounds amazing. Now, I didn't become a Christian straight away. But the lady who was running the the Daily Vacation Bible School continued to be my scripture teacher, and I actually started going to that church. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I said to her one day, I said, you know, can you show me how to become a Christian? So she picked me up after school one day when I got home on the bus, like she picked me up from uh, the bus, and she drove me in her car to a quiet spot not, not far from our house and she showed me how to ask Jesus into my heart. And I accepted the Lord as my saviour. Mm. And that was just the most amazing thing, you know, because I had someone on my side. Amen. And it was just transformational, really. So, Yeah, I mean, you, the picture of your life before that, you know, didn't know where you belonged, didn't know mm. who you belonged to. Yeah. All that confusion. And then, you know, this is like manna from heaven to find out, well, wait a second. There is a, a heavenly father above all this who loves you unconditionally and wants the best for your life and has a plan for you. Uh, that had to be so reassuring and mm. comforting to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was fed income. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I went to that church. There was good feeding. I went to the youth group. There was, you know, we they were, we were taken to hear John Ridley and oh, okay. um, Youth for Christ and mm-hmm. all of these yeah. wonderful things that just gave me a really good foundation. So let's, um, let's contrast your life 
before and after? What was the impact of Jesus and having a heavenly father? What impact did that have on your life? A life of a a troubled young child. I had someone to talk to day and night because often I would cry myself to sleep, Mm. you know, because I felt so alone and I felt, you know, like my heart was just going to break and not to have anyone there for me prior to coming to the Lord. Um, I had nowhere to turn. Mm -hmm. But once I came to the Lord, uh, you know, he he was there for me 24-7. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he loved me unconditionally. He sent Jesus to die for for me, mm-hmm. even if I'd been the only person on this whole earth. And you know, wow, somebody loves me. Yeah. And not only does he love me, every day of my life is written in his book, mm. Psalm one hundred and thirty nine. You know, he planned for me mm-hmm. way before I was born. I was conceived. And he didn't make a mistake with me having been born to my parents. It was all part of his plan. So this completely changes your outlook on life. Exactly, exactly. Now, you shared with me earlier a beautiful metaphor of life Mm -hmm. before you knew the Lord as kind of being in a rudderless boat, just kind of being tossed to and fro by the waves of life and the storms of life. And often, you know, um, see, I... I felt like when Jesus came into my life and my lifeboat, mm-hmm. um, he steadied my boat mm-hmm. in the waves and in the storms of life, and he gave me a safe haven to mm-hmm. shelter in, mm-hmm. you know, where I felt like I had nowhere to shelter before. I had no one to steady my boat, and I would often, you know, capsize. My mm-hmm. boat would get rocked so much with, you know, people saying things to me like criticizing me but not understanding where I had come from Mm. and the difficulties that I'd had because I didn't share a whole lot because people didn't really seem to want to know or care Mm. about where I'd come from. So I was fairly, you know, stoic as far as, you know. Emotions and everything. Through life and, you know, well, emotions weren't really accepted. So, Mm. you know, you've got to stuff them Mm. and just soldier on but um, which I think I did for many years but it told where you know like I flunked my final exams at school because my mother kicked me out of home just before and Mm. and things like this but um, you know having Jesus to steady my boat and you know maybe maybe my boat was still rocking Mm. but I wasn't falling out of my boat I wasn't capsizing Mm, kind uh, of stabilized it a bit, but he stabilized it for unfortunately, me. Unfortunately, there were still some issues in your life. Of course, yeah, and I think this is normal with kids from backgrounds like my own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes time mm-hmm. to work through the trauma and to have the skills to be able to do that, or to even uh, call on resources to help mm-hmm. you, like for example, Christian counselors, which mm-hmm. I did, you know, a long mm-hmm. time down the road from that, but. You know, to have have God as my rock mm-hmm. rather than having a sandy foundation that, you to know. To use another I, metaphor. <laughs> to use a mud, another metaphor, yeah. you know, um, gave my life stability. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, things when, you know, at home really didn't 
change a whole lot. Hmm. They probably got even more, more difficult. And my mother, you know, was still abusive and, hmm. um, you know, and slapping me across the face hmm. and things like that, you know. But it's comforting to know that Jesus went through a whole lot of stuff that I went through hmm. in a different yeah. context mm -hmm. and yep. to know that he understood Mm -hmm. You know, he was despised and rejected. Yeah. I was despised and rejected. He mm -hmm. could understand. Yeah. You know, um, sure, he had a, a wonderful father, mm -hmm. uh, but his father was now mine. Yeah, yeah. So some of the ongoing issues, as we'll hear as you kind of unfold your story, was mm -hmm. um, the low self-esteem, mm -hmm. low self-value, and also mm -hmm. striving for mm -hmm. perfection to mm -hmm. have people accept mm -hmm. you, that kind of continued on in your life as we'll hear that had an impact on you later on but next in your life the next major event in your life was being called to be a missionary is that right that's correct yes so as i said i was very you know into my church and at the annual uh annual meetings of the baptist church they always had a missions night and i went along and dr stephen olford was the speaker he'd come mm -hmm. from chicago um, to Australia, to Sydney, because I was I was living in Sydney at the time. And when he gave the altar call for anyone who was feeling God prompting them to commit their life to him for missionary service, I couldn't stay in my seat. Was oh, that right? I just had to get up mm. and go forward, you know. And What was it that you liked about it so much? What attracted you? Well, to be honest, it, it, the seeds were sown previously by my auntie. In that, okay. she would read me Jungle Doctor stories. Oh, okay. Paul White, yep. uh, the true jungle doctor. And I dreamed that one day I was going to be a missionary in Africa mm. with Paul White, oh, okay. the real jungle doctor. Yeah. So that seed had been sown mm -hmm. and the dream was still there. And so this was just a continuation of, of that seed getting watered that had been sown all those years before as a child. So, you know, I felt that God was calling me to nursing mm. so that I could prepare to become a missionary, that that was the trajectory that he okay. was leading me on. And I'd always wanted to be a nurse anyway. And once again, I go back, you know, to the verse in Psalm 139, you know, every day of your life is written in my book. Mm -hmm. So he already planned for me to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. And so I went on to do my nurse's training and felt that it was important to do as much training as I could to equip me to go wherever God wanted me and to do what he wanted me to do because I had actually spoken to some missionaries and some were nurses and had just done their general training and they get to the mission field and someone wants them to deliver a baby. Yeah. So that's why I went on and did all of this training. I mean, it was God who led me to, you know, mm -hmm. to do it as, as well. It wasn't just uh, just me, but uh, I, I felt that I needed to be as well equipped as I possibly could. And while it was, I was doing my maternal and child health training, I felt the Lord leading me to Bible college because I know most missions require you mm -hmm. to do some Bible college training. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord led me to Bible college. 
and I was actually in South Australia doing my maternal and child health training and he led me to the Bible College of South Australia, which, by the way, is here in Victor Harbour. Oh, okay. It was, it is no longer, but it was at that time. Mm -hmm. So I spent three years in Bible College mm -hmm. and I had been going to a church while I was up in Adelaide and I met a guy there who was a representative for HCJB. Oh, okay. And we became girlfriend and boyfriend. And oh, okay. he gave me a pamphlet about HCJB, but I wasn't interested because I was a radio mission and I'm a nurse. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, we should say that HCJB was quite unusual in that it was a radio and medical ministry in South America. Correct. And the reason for that was that um, the radio station was broadcasting out of the country and they wanted to do something for the people in the country. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we were guests in the country. Mm -hmm. And Quito, uh, Ecuador. And, and Quito, Ecuador. So, you know, uh, that's why the two hospitals were uh, we were begun, or at least the one in Quito. Mm -hmm. um, but every term we had a prayer day and we would pray for our future, we would pray for our families, we'd pray for our non-Christian friends, we'd pray for our studies, we'd pray for all kinds of things. And in my second year on this particular prayer day, I was pleading with God and I said, you know, Lord, I don't want to be finishing Bible college and not know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been preparing all of these years and I just pray that you will show me. And he just prompted me to go and get those pamphlets out of my desk drawer. And I read through and on the back page there was a little story about both of the HCJB hospitals and God just said to me, Wendy, that's where I want you. And I just had absolutely no doubt. That was part one of Eric Scadabo's conversation with retired missionary Wendy Freeman, who's the author of the book Beauty for Ashes, A Journey of Faith and Healing. Well, it was great to hear about the impact her heavenly father has had in her life, especially after her earthly father had abandoned her family and her mother had rejected her. Wendy painted a beautiful word picture of a life before and after Christ. She said that before she became a Christian, she felt like she'd had no one to steady her boat and she would often capsize. But when Jesus came into her life, she said it felt like he steadied her boat in the waves and she was no longer being tossed around. It's a wonderful picture of the impact faith in Christ can have on our lives. Not all of our problems will instantly go away, but we have assurance that God will guide us on a steady course through the troubles of life. Well, how about you? Do you feel like you're being tossed about and need someone to steady your boat? Why not put your faith in the Lord today? If you'd like to pray about this with someone, our prayer line is one 800 Pray for me. That's one 936 And we'd love to pray with you. On that number again, one 936 Well, thanks for joining us for part one of Wendy's story. And until next time, when we'll hear some of the challenges she faced as a missionary, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. God just said to me, Wendy, that's where I want you. And I just had absolutely no doubt. Now, my boyfriend uh, at the time, um, you know, I shared this with him and, you know, and he said, well, he didn't really feel a call to the mission field, to Ecuador. And so, you know, I had to come to that decision. Do I go with where God is leading me or do I 
choose to get married and have children and stay in Australia. Wendy Freeman joins us once again to share more of her story and how God completely transformed her life after she was rejected by her mother and abandoned by her father as a child. Wendy shares how the Lord eventually leads her to be a missionary in South America. That's all coming up next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.